It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are but it feels nice getting out of work after that wet kind of moist morning it's nice dry a little bit of sunshine as the days continue to get longer Tuesday afternoon with the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Coming up on the show this hour, Greg Rakestraw will join us. That's coming up about 15 minutes from now. Also, in just moments, going to give you a chance to call in for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, so stay close to the phone. Of course, the big story today, Chris Ballard did address the media down in Indianapolis Talking about the season that was and the future that will be and where the Colts really find themselves. Do they find themselves a player too short? Do they find themselves needing to reconstruct an entire roster? What about the quarterback situation? Chris Ballard talked about it all, including the fact that Jim Ursay was not the one solely making the decisions. Now, we do think Jim Ursay made the decision on Jeff Saturday and that Chris Ballard didn't necessarily agree with it. But that uh, Chris Ballard explained that he and Jim Mersey talk about all the decisions. And he says, sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. But ultimately, he may not agree with my decision, but he'll say, you know, I'm not 100% on board, but let's roll with it. And then Chris Ballard pointed out that occasionally he calls a shot. I don't agree, but we go ahead and roll with it anyway. And I think that's clearly a reference to the hiring of Jeff Saturday. Now it's the coaching search. Who is going to be the person that actually makes this call? If it truly is Jim Ursay who's making the calls, then you would expect Jeff Saturday to have a very fair shot at getting this permanent position. If it's Chris Ballard, who's got the authority to hire the coach that he sees best fit to take over the Indianapolis Colts, it will not be Jeff Saturday. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I think we will find out as we proceed through the coaches coaching hiring exactly who is the one calling the shots. If it is a joint decision, if it is a Chris Ballard decision, or if it is a Jim Ursay decision. Chris Ballard does feel like the roster has the nucleus and they just need to upgrade the talent around a pretty strong core. Now, part of that core is he does feel, or at least felt like coming into the season, that three of the offensive linemen were elite. And he said, I felt that way because that's what they've been. But our players, our core players, have to play much better than they did this year. Calling out Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith. 
when the questions were asked about quarterback, it became clear that Chris Ballard is tired of the revolving door at quarterback. He said, players, it's tough on them. It's tough on the organization. It's tough on fans. When every year you're dealing with a new quarterback, we need to get stability at that position. The only way I can see that that is going to happen is if that means the Colts are going to take advantage of their draft position and go after Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. I also found it interesting when Kevin Bowen addressed a question to Chris Ballard about the construction of rosters in today's NFL. And has it changed, and does Chris Ballard need to be more flexible in how he assembles a roster based on today's NFL? And Chris Ballard, in some ways, admitted that he still has his core beliefs, and he believes strongly in them, that you win at the line of scrimmage with an offensive line and a defensive front. But he said, outside of that, I do think I need to... uh, become a little more flexible, a little more versatile, and does that mean that you start to spend the money differently and maybe go after wide receivers with a bigger pocket of uh, cash? And does it mean the future of Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis could be in doubt? Taylor's going to be eligible for his extension coming up next year. We'll see what happens there. Now's the time. Call us up. It's your chance to play Tuesday Timecast Trivia. It's a big one today. So we're actually going to take... Caller number three. Caller number three, Adam, at 447-8500. 447-8500. Why caller number three? Because today you're playing for a four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus coming to the Memorial Coliseum at the end of January. If you want to be a winner, call us now, 447-8500. That's 447-8500. Uh, just for calling in and being today's contestant, we will give you, without having to win, a large pizza to Pizza Hut, a pizza card, courtesy of our friends at Pizza Hut of Fort Wayne. All right, so I think we are all set to go today with our Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, and let's find out who has broken through the clutter and who is caller number three. Who have we got on the line? Uh, Sean Fisher. Hey, Sean, how are you today? Good, how are you? Good. All right, do you know how to play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia? Yes, I do. All right, then it doesn't take us any time to go ahead and get us started. It's time for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right, let's get started. We're going to start off with clue number one here. In this year, the first official game of the Taiwan Professional Baseball League is held. John, uh, have you ever been to Taiwan? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> uh, it's your choice. You can play or you can pass it to me. Um, I'll pass. I will say this. Taiwan was the dominant country in the Little League World Series when I was younger. They were, they were huge. Now, I don't know when they started their professional league, but I would guess there is some way, uh, some some relationship. So I will say... 1977. Okay, Sean, your call. Well, I have no idea, so I'm just going to go close to you and say 1976. All right, let's head on to clue number two. We've got another first here. The 
Victorian Football League is renamed the Australian Football League in this year. Would that be rugby? It's Australian football. Rugby, isn't it? It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Okay, so the Australian football. Uh, Sean, it is your chance to go first here in round two. Uh, 1980? I will say 1983. All right, going on to clue number three. This will be Brett first. Derek Thomas has seven sacks for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Seahawks in this year. We were too far back, yeah. obviously. Um, Derek Thomas, I will say 1997. Um, 1992. All right, let's go on to clue number four here. The UNLV Running Rebels win the NCAA Men's Championship in this year. And this is you first, Sean. I know this, Sean. Uh-oh. Uh, 1992. Oh. Wait, Sean just said 1992. Yes, he did. Do you want to do we do we want to yeah, give him yeah, one more? Yeah, so uh since we don't ask anybody to write down the years cuz they might be driving, we will give him Another opportunity because we've got a big prize up for grabs. So, Sean, uh, I'm going to give you another chance. It is not 1992 because that was the clue you just gave us 10 seconds ago. Uh, uh, oh. I excuse you for your short-term memory <laughs> loss. But, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I am driving. Sorry, Sean. Uh, try, try. I know you really like 92, but try another year. Yeah, 93. Oh, it's 1991. Oh. It's not 91. It's not 1991, Brett. Do we go to the fifth clue here? The Miami Hurricanes won 33-25 over the Crimson Tide in the National College Football Championship. (sighs) My turn first, right? Okay, then you have to repeat the clue because I was over here throwing up in the bucket because I was so upset. Miami Hurricanes won over the Alabama Crimson Tide to win the National Football Championship of this year. Oh, boy. Okay, I will go, uh, I really don't know anymore. I I really thought 91, but uh, I'll say 1996. Um, gosh, we've done all the 90s. Hopefully we didn't do 95. It's probably 94, right? It's 1990, guys. Oh. 90. Ninety. I was going to say that because you were, you were so confident on 91. Yeah, I really thought it was 91. <laughs> and then I thought by Adam's reaction, which I have the advantage of seeing, that uh, I was completely off direction. But you know what, Sean? Since neither one of us won, by default, you become a winner. You just got a four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus. Congratulations. Nice. Thank you. Yep. So stay on the line. That means Adam's got to get uh, a lot of information. I mean, pages and pages <laughs> of personal information. That's wonderful. <laughs> not, not really. Uh, just stay on the line, though, so uh, we can get you set up to get your tickets. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening. That's Sean Fisher, today's contestant on Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, 1990. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were all over it. You were close. We were close. Uh, but anyway, we will play Tuesday Timecast Trivia again. 
coming up next week. Uh, still on the way. Don't forget, top of the hour, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show. It's a big addition today. Listen to this lineup. Coach Kaufman, uh, one of the men's basketball assistant coaches, one of the men's basketball players, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano, and men's volleyball coach Rock Perot, all packed in to one hour of thorough entertainment coming your way from the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, between 6 and 7, right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Okay, Greg Rakestraw is ready to join us. So we will uh, have Greg Rakestraw joining us right after the break. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Beautiful Tuesday. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, we head out to the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Mastodon's Coaches Show tonight. What a full lineup. We've got men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. I think we've got a men's player that's going to show up for the show tonight. I think a assistant men's basketball coach will be on the show. And men's volleyball coach Rock Perot, all on the show tonight. We're going to jam it somehow all into one hour of high-level entertainment. It's called the Mastodon's Coaches Show. It's presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage every week, including tonight, at 6 o'clock right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Uh, in fact, speaking of the Mastodons, going to be heading down to Indy. Uh, get down there tomorrow night and get set for a Thursday night affair with the Mastodons taking on the IUPUI Jaguars. And the voice on television of the Jaguars joins us right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Of course, he wears many other hats as well. It is Greg Rakestraw. Good afternoon, Rake. Now, does this mean, good afternoon to you, too, does this mean there is a Thursday edition of the show from the Indiana Farmers Coliseum? <laughs> there is not a Thursday oh. edition of the show, but we've put so much into one hour on Tuesday, we will need at least a week to recover. That, that's probably true. Um, see, I, I thought what would be the case was that, you know, because I, I miss doing shows for hotel rooms and hotel <laughs> ballrooms. And like courtside where nobody's there or yeah. like they're doing like an anthem check in the background. I miss those days from traveling around the Midcon now Summit League. Well, I, you know, and, and it's funny because, uh, because of the Mastodon schedule, Coach Kaufman, when he likes the bus to leave and when the dinner hour is and all this, it's often easier for me rather than trying to do a road show just to hand it off to one of my capable uh, substitutes who will be filling in on Thursday. In fact, Coach uh, Shannon Griffith will be filling in on the show here on Thursday. So I won't have to worry about those duties. I'll just have a game to call on Thursday night. Next week, when we make the road trip to Northern Kentucky and Wright State, I will be doing one of those in the hotel room with the headset on doing a radio program. And uh, you know what? I actually kind of enjoy it. I, I, I used to get players would come to the room and hang out and listen to the talk show in my days. of doing that. So in my days of doing radio for IUPUI, for the nine years I did it, I had an afternoon show for the last seven years wow. that I did that show. And so and as, as you're the most qualified person to talk to about this, you know, other than my psychotherapist, <laughs> but because of, of, of the road trips that we had in the old school summit league, oh. you know, oftentimes I was on a plane on a Wednesday or on a plane on Friday. So kind of like my give back to my bosses was, Hey, on Thursdays, we're on the road. I will do the show. Yeah. 
Um, on Fridays, I will try to do the show if possible. But normally on a Wednesday road trip, I'm on a plane. Thankfully, in the Horizon League, that usually isn't a factor for any of us. No, and I try to do shows from the bus. Because, you know, with our technology, I can actually plug in and connect through a cell service and actually be broadcasting from the bus. And our uh, beloved program director at some point finally put the kibosh on that and said, you know what, you don't have to sit in a cramped bus seat with all the bus noise and do a show. So I, I was trying to do my part and not miss an afternoon, uh, but the program director decided it was better to pass the baton than to have the uh, the truck noise of, of trucks passing us on the interstate. But, I, I yeah, those those plane rides, man, I don't miss those at all. Uh, the Mastodons, <laughs> it seemed like... Somehow the schedule makers always threw us into about three plane rides where we went and played one game and then had to take the next day to fly back. It just seemed ridiculous by the time we finally got out of that league. So, yes, the Horizon League travel is much better, including including what is going to be uh, a trip where a lot of Mastodons fans are going to make the uh, drive down I-69 coming up on Thursday night as the Mastodons take on the Jaguars. Had a chance to watch almost the entire Jaguars game last night, and the whole reason I did was because what I was trying to watch on the television was pretty dang bad. Uh, I couldn't believe what Georgia did to TCU, but watch the Jaguars and Robert Morris. And once again, Greg, I made this point to you before. Jaguars are a team that can really compete. They can play right with you, but it seems like a couple little stretches where they make just a couple of mistakes – and it ends up costing him a basketball game, and it did it last night at Robert Morris. We we are so much better than we were a year ago. We can be we can be twice the team we were last year and be a six win team. You know, let's be blunt about it. You know, when you're as bad as IUPUI was last season, offensively significantly better. Probably not as good defensively because last year, you know, we were holding teams at sixty points a game. Problem was we were scoring like low forties <laughs> per game uh, at, at that point. This year's group seemingly has more of a penchant for getting beat 80-70 to 70, uh, than last year's teams. And, again, those games are, are so much closer. I want to say last night was, what, 77-70, something along those lines. And that was the site of the lone league win was at Robert Morris last year. This team's going to get some league wins at home. Uh, I firmly believe that. I'm not sure if, if Thursday night is, is going to be that answer. Um, the Jags are better. The Jags are significantly better at the five position. Uh, they are significantly better at the two and three. The problem is the young man they thought would be the one in Bryce Monroe is is out for most of the year, if not in the entirety of the year, due to injury. Jalen Counter is their best creator with the ball in his hands. He's more of a natural two, um, but but again, he's by far and away their best option running the one, which means you're simply going to live with some turnovers for that basketball team. So. Uh, before the weekend road trip, I know the average turnover count was north of 16, and I got a feeling that that number probably hasn't gone down very much. Vincent Brady has a chance to be a freshman of the year in the league. He's that good of a player, and frankly, he's the type of player you need to build around here. Um, the example that I use is that you know this needs to be old school Memphis. In other words, where when you watch Memphis State in the 70s and 80s. There was no need for the PA guy or the graphics guy on television to tell you where the kid was from because you knew that player was from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> the same thing needs to happen here. Draw a line around 465 and get two or three kids that you know either you know, aren't going to go to an IU or a Purdue or a Butler um, or get recruit kids back home now the transfer portal 
We're starting to see that to some degree, and I hope that that trend continues because I really think that's where you can get this program back to what it was because obviously those that only followed the IUPUI since, say, 2012 know nothing but you know losing seasons. There was one 16-17 and 17 campaign, but that last loss was in the college insider tournament uh, to Marshall. Other than that, it's been losing seasons you know, for the last 12 years. Before that, it was 10 straight years of 500 or better seasons with an NCAA tournament trip and a, and a trip to the CBI. So it can be done here. It's about getting the right mix of kids, and I think we're at least heading in that direction. Of course, we all remember the Ron Hunter years down there at IUPUI, and I think that's what they're trying to get back to. But uh, you mentioned Jalen Counter and the 13 points per game and then getting – about 10 points per game uh, from the big inside. But uh, what about these Girard kids from Mount Vernon? I I didn't know about them until I saw them and, and, and watched a little bit uh, of a video on them. Um, what kind of contributions are they making? Armand and Ahmad, um, and, and I can't tell about a program either, uh, so don't feel bad <laughs> if you're constantly looking down on Thursday. And I even called some of their games in high school. So they're part of that Mount Vernon team. That was 21 and three last year and won 16 consecutive games until being beaten by Ben Davis by a bucket in, in the regional morning game at Southport. They're both about six, three, six, four. They both have exceedingly long wingspans. So they can be difference makers in the passing game defensively. Um, what you are seeing from, from them though, even though they're both making their contributions is that it is hard right now to be an 18-year-old freshman playing against a lot of 23, 24, and 25-year-old players. Yeah. Other than maybe the end of World War II or any BYU or Southern Utah team, I'm not sure college basketball has ever been older. That's a Mormon mission reference. Let me get that. Um, by the way, the last couple of schools that I mentioned. Um, but 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 they, they they are making plays, but they're also having to learn. And the one thing I talked with with Matt Crenshaw. And this is, this is not atypical, um, you know, for, for kids that are high school kids or, mm-hmm. or played AAU basketball as well. You can get by with so much based on your athleticism when you're in high school. Everybody has that level of athleticism in Division One. So it's so much about the little things like talking and, and communicating and, and playing through injuries and things like that. I think both those two are kind of learning, you know, a, a bit of that process, so. There are definitely skill sets there, and you see flashes from time to time, and hopefully they're long-term members of this program and will continue to make contributions because clearly uh, the raw talent is there for both of those two. One of the many hats that Greg Regstraw wears is the Colts postgame radio host, and on Sunday the Colts invented yet a new way to lose, giving up two fourth and longs, and uh, eventually... I can't even explain the score that, that got the touchdown to give them a chance at the two-point conversion to win it. Uh, it. It basically was a short Hail Mary is all it was. But the Colts again fall this time to the Houston Texans, who had every reason to lose that game. Every reason to tie it, in fact. Uh, kick, the, kick the extra point, take the tie, walk away, have the number one pick. Uh, were you surprised at all that Houston decided to try to win that game? No, because my guess is Lovey knew he was out the door uh, before that game ever happened or had a good suspicion of it. And for as much as organizations tank, um, and it happens less in football, but it does happen, 
Um, as much as organizations do, you do that by sitting certain players, not by the guys on the field being co-conspirators in doing something like that. The guys on the field are going to play to win, and, and that's the simple nature of it. And I'll, and I'll point back to the last couple of times the Colts have had the number one pick. They won a couple of games late in the year where you're like, hey, wait a minute now. Hey, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're not going to finish the season 0-16, but let's not get too crazy here. You know, if the Colts don't lose late against the Vikings in 1997, then maybe Peyton Manning's playing for the San Diego Chargers and not the Indianapolis Colts in 1998. You know, if, if the Colts don't lose in Jacksonville on New Year's Day of 2012, it's, it's maybe it's Robert Griffin the third that, that's the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts and, and and not Andrew Luck. So, you know, even the Colts have kind of done that and flirted with that over the years. And the Texans, you know, got a win that, that their players celebrated and their front office probably put their face in their palm knowing that the path, if, if they wanted Bryce Young, that path just got tougher. If they were thinking about C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, or for some reason not a quarterback, then they're going to be just fine. But if Bryce Young was their guy, they have to work for it now. Very interesting what Chris Ballard had to say. Number one, he did take all the responsibility for the moves that were made. And uh, although many of us speculate that Jim Irsay was behind a lot of it, uh, quarterback move, coaching move, but uh, Chris Ballard said, it's on me and I take responsibility and I have to be better. But they need to make get a quarterback. What what do they have to do now at this point? They they've gone the free agent route a couple of times. Do they have to draft a quarterback? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you know we've known the end's coming for the last couple three weeks, and and we weren't sure as to what the head coach was going to look like. Obviously, by way of today's press conference, they could safe to say Chris Ballard is going to be the general manager of this team for next year. He has to draft a quarterback. Um, and, and again for the roster flaws for the mistakes that have been made, I don't fault Chris Ballard for how the quarterback situation has been handled because I think this team has been in a win-now mode. Ever since Andrew Luck walked away August 24th of 2019, not that that day just seared in my brain or anything, Brett, um, <laughs> but ever since, ever since that day, you know, it, it, they wanted to find the best available option to win that year. Right. For the first time, you're not in that position. You haven't had this high of a draft pick to go get your own guy, whether it's trading up to get young at one, whether it's thinking you're going to get C.J. Stroud at four. I, I get Are those guys Luck or Manning? I don't know. But those are clearly the guys that are the franchise-level quarterbacks, you think, in this draft class. And it needs to be one of those two guys, whether you can pick that guy or four or move up to get him. That has to be the charge for Chris this offseason. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be across from each other with a little wave. I'll, I'll see you on Thursday. Now, this may be confusing. I'll be wearing a shirt and tie. I know that most regular guys <laughs> don't do that, but they didn't dress up for television. So if you see a guy that looks like me wearing a suit, that is me, just to let you know. There we go. I'll, fi I'll find you, Greg. I think I can pick you out of a crowd. Uh, I think I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to handle that. Uh, Greg Regstraw joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Always appreciate Rake's take right here on the Sports Rush. And, of course, he is the television voice on ESPN Plus for the IUPUI Jaguars. 
Mastodon's Jaguars coming up on Thursday night, 7 o'clock, 6.45, the pregame show right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hey, we've still got to keep this show rolling. we got to get it up to 6 o'clock. Mastodon's Coaches Show takes over at 6. But coming up next, more of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And we are back on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, our producer. Uh, don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, the Mastodon's Coaches Show with men's basketball coach John Kaufman. We've got players, we've got assistant coaches, we've got uh, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano, and men's volleyball coach Rock Perrot makes his first appearance for the season as they got their season underway last weekend. We'll talk about the results of the past weekend and what's ahead. The Mastodon's, if you like volleyball, Okay, keep a lot of the weekend dates available in January because men's volleyball is going to be primarily at the Gate Center through the entire month of January. And we'll talk about the schedule and why is the schedule like it is, where it's very front-loaded with home matches. But Rock Parat will be a part of the Coaches Show tonight as well. Mastodon's Coaches Show broadcasting live from the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, uh, starting at 6 o'clock, and it's presented, as always, by Diamond Residential Mortgage. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, taking your text on uh, the Chris Ballard comments from earlier today. Of course, we've been talking about what Chris Ballard had to say, how he took responsibility for uh, the moves that were made, the moves that didn't work. He was very frank. I kind of feel like in many ways he stepped up to the microphone and disarmed all of the media that was ready to attack, right? Because the the best thing to do is walk up and say, this is my fault. I did a poor job. Because now all of a sudden you've disarmed a lot of the media that are going to come out and come after you and try to say, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And so he actually, in his opening comments, accepted full responsibility. And, in fact, I think uh, perhaps even his first couple of words of the press conference, I failed. This was one of those seasons where even the best laid plans went south. And I have to be responsible. I have to look myself in the mirror. I've got to be better. We've got to pick up the pieces. We've got to figure out how we move forward. But we've got quality people in the front office that I believe we're going to be able to do that. But he did not run from it. He did not blame anyone else. He did not take shots at the players, even though he did say more than once, a lot of our best players have to play up to their standards. And clearly, I think that is number one directed at the offensive line, because he also mentioned going into the season, he said, I believed that the offensive line was a strength and it was not a concern. It turned out that it became very concerning because of their level of play. But he said, I felt like the three guys that we had coming back on that offensive line, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, and Quentin Nelson, were going to carry things for the other two players that filled in the other two spots. And it didn't work out that way. And so he was asked about the offensive line. He was asked about the personnel. And his response to that was, obviously, our personnel 
wasn't good enough. Whether that meant that they played below their potential or played below their standard, or whether it means they just weren't quite as talented as maybe the Colts had hoped they would be or evaluated them to be. But he said, when you're 4-12-1, your talent isn't good enough. I, he said, I think it's not a complete restructuring of the, of the roster. I think we've got some core pieces here, but we obviously have to build higher level talent around them. And that's what we're going to set out to do. I found it interesting, too, that he left much more, uh, was much more liberal in his talks about going after free agents, because that is something that Chris Ballard has not been accustomed to doing, is playing the free agent game and going out trying to bid on free agents that you know are areas of weakness of your football team and try to fill them with existing talent. Last year, we felt like maybe there was a couple of wide receivers that would have helped, guys that were vertical threats that the Colts didn't seem to have on their roster. And the answer we got was, you know, Paris Campbell's going to come back healthy. Uh, that uh, we feel like with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, we've got two good young receivers. We like who we have. And, of course, they've got Strawn, uh, Ashton Doolin, a couple of other guys that kind of play in support uh, roles. But but overall, the wide receiver group didn't produce at the level you need your wide receivers to produce. And, uh, in fact, I think it might have been Kevin Bowen that asked the question about today's roster construction in the NFL, how it has evolved and how it has changed. And Chris Ballard responded that he is still a believer <clears throat> in the offensive line and the defensive line being keys to your football success. But we've got to take a look at the rest of it. And I think uh, it'll be interesting what the future is of Jonathan Taylor. Because today's NFL doesn't reward great running backs. It rewards great receivers, but not running backs. Will they be willing to pay Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be eligible for his extension? Are they going to be willing to pay him to keep him in Indianapolis? Um, oh, and then he was asked about the coaching search. What's going to happen with the coaching search? And at this point, he uh, clearly did not give a ringing endorsement for Jeff Saturday. And I think Saturday was clearly Ursay's guy. And whether Chris Ballard wants to take accountability for all the decisions that were made, he said, you know, of course, Jim Ursay and I talk every day about decisions. But it was pretty clear at Jeff Saturday's press conference when he was hired that Chris Ballard was kind of a pouting stepchild i mean he was not happy about that whole press conference the whole situation and i don't think he was on board with the decision to to hire jeff saturday as an interim coach um and and when you listen to him talk about the coaching search it does not sound like jeff saturday has a leg up on anybody um and, and chris ballard said you know this might take us a while this could take us all the way to mid-february before we find our guy and uh, so a lot was said with Chris Ballard today <clears throat> speaking to the media. And and you kind of feel like 
Some of the things you wanted acknowledged were acknowledged. In other words, we've been throwing Chris Ballard under the bus. We've been accusing Chris Ballard of having a terrible year, putting together a bad roster. And then he comes out at the press conference and says, basically, I had a horrible year and I've assembled a bad roster. Oh, okay. Now what do we come after him with? You know, the media, I think, was... I mean, they were thinking fresh meat. We're going to have a field day here at this press conference going after Chris Ballard. Because Chris Ballard at times has been a little brash, a little cocky in some of his responses. And I don't know that he's an overly arrogant person, but sometimes it can come across a little bit that way. Very, very much humble pie at the press conference today. He was not going to go up there and try to say, I did this and this is why it didn't work and blame somebody else. So Colts have work to do. they got to figure out what to do. And, and Chris Ballard left open that they could go up and try to get that number one pick. I mean, I thought that was interesting that he stated it publicly, that if the Colts believe there is a guy that they want and they covet and they feel they have to go up to number one to get them, they will make every effort to go up and get that number one pick to get their guy. Well, the only guy that you make that kind of aggressive move for is a quarterback. Now, of course, what we're not going to find out at this point, who would that quarterback be? Do you have an idea? You know, I, I would love to ask, do you have an idea at this point who you like? He won't tell us, but I'd love to know. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Uh, Pacers getting ready to take on the Knicks. Big one tomorrow. A real big one there. Who's it bigger for, Knicks or Pacers? It's at New York. Uh, I think it depends on if we have R.J. Barrett back or not, because that's one of our key players. Or you're willing to just toss it to the Pacers if there's no R.J. Barrett? Yes. Really? Yeah. Brunson I mean, we, went off last night. Yeah, he had 44 in the loss. And so they lost. So, Keyword, the loss. Yeah, so I guess maybe they do need R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't think we just have quite enough scoring with him out. What did Randall have last night? Uh, he had 20-something, but it was really inefficient. It was like 9 of 29 from the field. Well, but still, I, was Brunson that efficient? Because he's Brunson a guy that was will good. Watch, Brunson really. was good. He was like 15 of 30, so 50% from the field. So between the two of them, they took 59 shots. Yes. And uh, and scored, what, almost uh, two-thirds of the points? Yeah, just about, about 60%. Yeah. Let's see what Randall had. Yep, Randall had 25, and uh, Brunson had 44. So give them 69 together. 69 of how many points they score? 107. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, that's like 65%. Need a little bit more scoring from the rest of the guys. Uh, that is coming up tomorrow night, Pacers and the New York Knicks. We will take a timeout. We're going to come back for a final time, and i got to get out of here, got to get across town, because Mastodon's Coaches Show comes up at the top of the hour. Stick with us. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back. Final time to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Coming up uh, tonight, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show coming up in just minutes. Also, on the way tonight, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. It is men's basketball, and that is a 7 o'clock tip. So as soon as we wrap up with the Mastodon's Coaches Show, sending it right to play-by-play action of Notre Dame, Georgia Tech here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Tomorrow night, high school hockey night in Fort Wayne. 
as uh, the Vipers take on Leo. That's a 9 o'clock start. And, of course, the Comets will be back in action. They go up to Kalamazoo to take on the K-Wings. And that will be on our sister station, WoWo, at uh, 7.30. And that will be Shane Alberani on the call. And a big thanks to Shane for joining us back in our first hour. Also, thanks to Greg Rakestraw. You know, it's always great because with Rakestraw wearing so many hats, high school basketball, uh, the Jaguars, play-by-play guy, uh, the fact he does Colts radio, you can ask him questions about literally any sport, and he's got very insightful thoughts. So it's always great to have Greg Rakestraw join us as well. We'll come back tomorrow, hump day edition of the Sports Rush on the way, 4 to 6. Join us then. This has been The Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.